Welcome to the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that brings you exclusive stories from people driving India's space activities. The New Space India podcast is pleased to announce our association with Dassault Systems, a global leader in providing businesses and people with collaborative virtual environments to imagine sustainable innovations. Dassault Systems Solutions supports startups, small and medium-scale enterprises, and original equipment manufacturers in developing disruptive solutions for space launchers and satellite propulsion. Hi, and welcome to yet another episode of the New Space India podcast. Today, we have here with us Asa, who has gone through the ISRO Unnati program, and I would love to hear from her experiences. Before we get into it, Asa, thank you so much for taking your time in speaking with us. would love to know a little bit of your background and what got you into space before we talk about isro and the unnati program sure thank you very much for having me here narayan so i started off loving engineering and and loving everything machines and getting my hands dirty building things even if it's just girly arts and crafts and decorations and things like that but i i just loved the mixture between aesthetics and and engineering So that got me started into mechanical engineering. However, if I had it my way, I probably would have done medicine. But that's okay. This is how I ended up being in space anyway. And after mechanical engineering degree, my dad pushed me on to do an MBA immediately because he always knew the value of 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 having a management background as well as an a technical engineering background that that eventually you'll be managing projects and managing people. So that was really helpful because I joined Schlumberger soon after that after the graduation of my masters of business administration ended up not really liking the oil and gas industry so much I liked something that was had a bit more legroom in terms of growth I I then joined a defense contractor in Brunei and after only about a year the proposal for NIAT a joint venture proposal of NIAT came onto my desk and immediately looked at it and said space why well, don't know anybody who's doing space in Brunei right now this is going to be awesome i pushed it up and and how it all came out was that it was a joint venture with one of the incumbent telcos in brunei so that's how niat was formed and i became employee 1 joining at minus 180 days so yeah i was uh, part of that team and and since then i've been building the satellite communications industry in brunei literally from the ground up i'd say we have about 85% uh, market share for satellite communications and a few years ago we diversified into other satellite technologies such as satellite remote sensing earth observation things like that and that's where we are here today when we started going into space resources or space self space data we then i i then found myself and and my other colleague to go to the unati program which is why we're here on this call so that's where we learned how to build nano satellites clean rooms and and having the right sort of uh background information as to how we'd like to start a space mission of our own and nano satellite space mission of our own in our own countries so yeah that's how i ended up in the unati program yeah that's uh, that's great so when you talk about this company that is around is this a state owned company or is it a private company or what is the formation or the basis of it and how was it matured over time now Okay cool so that was this story was a good sort of 11 12 years ago now coming to the 12th year 
And that was a joint venture between the telco incumbent, which is a government-linked company, as you, as most incumbent telcos are, and 32%, so 68 Brunei government and 32% owned by a Malaysian shareholder called TS Global Network. So it was a very commercial arrangement. We had our own set of people in Brunei, so we didn't take out any labor, foreign quotas at the time, labor licenses, I think they call it, for foreign workers so that we could build indigenous capability. No matter how hard it was, it had to start somewhere. From what we were, two people, me and a CEO seconded from the incumbent telco. We literally are now 29, if I'm not mistaken, 29 people. And over the years, we have matured into satellite communications from SCPC, the vanilla SCPC, to now Brunei having hit its own VSAT hub running on TDMA topology, which is a point to multi point topology, and it's running five to seven megabits return links using our antenna systems. We've got flat panel antennas, we've got um, gyros and uh, gyro stabilized antennas and fixed antennas. So yeah, in the satellite communication side of things, we're going into rural areas as well. That was a a pilot that we did this year. And that was pretty good because we were able to showcase how satellite communications was able to solve connectivity issues, long-standing connectivity issues to rural sites that it's just difficult to, to justify pulling out fiber all the way to that location. And mind you, Brunei isn't even that big. So that was a really good pilot that we ran and we've got a really good feedback coming out of it and schools are getting connected. Yeah, a really good outcome from satellite technology. So from a satellite remote sensing point of view, we're more looking at the downstream side of things. So that's where we want to focus our attention to. And that's where we'd like to have a bit more capability development in that area. Because I think in upstream space industry, there's only a finite number of people or, or maybe a growing finite number of people who you can work with. And I think we've got that part figured out depending on what our downstream market requires. So yeah, so we're not exactly, we don't have a satellite in space. Brunei doesn't have a satellite in space right now. Niat doesn't either. This is something that we're definitely going to be planning to do, hopefully, for Brunei in the next few years. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. Absolutely. And very fascinating. Sorry that I actually don't know much about the you know landscape of Brunei and how many people live there and what is the penetration sure. of uh, SATCOM and stuff like that. And, and you, when you say that you're using capacity, I guess you're then using capacity from Pacific and even from the Malaysians when it comes to the space infrastructure. Okay, so let me just give you the lay of the land. So we are 450,000 people strong and There's about 5,765 square kilometers. So it's not a lot of land, but it's not a lot of people as well. We've got a 180 kilometer stretch of beach continuously. And we've got another district that's connected by a 30 kilometer bridge, one of the longest, uh, I think the longest bridge in Southeast Asia at the moment. It's new. So it's... um, so what we're doing right now in terms of capacity is, is making it a very critical commercial decision because we're a small company servicing the domestic market of Brunei. So we have to be very careful in terms of who to choose to buy capacity from. 
And we, we put in a lot of factors in there, including the technical, the technical parameters, look angles and things like that. And we've got a ground station. We, we manage Brunei's only satellite earth station in, in Talisai earth state. You've got to put all these things into factor. And who we end up using really is dependent on where the customers are going. So we've got customers who do not just stay in the region, but also move in and out. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of factors and, and, how we get to choose, but we're not stuck to one particular vendor. So we tenders, we do, we make sure that we, we take all the factors into consideration and it's a good approach. Yeah. Uh, for a small um, company like me. Absolutely. Very fascinating. What are the biggest problems that you are looking to solve when it comes to using space infrastructure at this point of time? I'm, I have my eye on space debris at the moment. I think that's one of the biggest risk factors that people look at, even though people don't know that much about how many satellites are in space. But it doesn't help that the movie that always plays, it's always some kind of collision of some sort. So at the back of people's minds, the, the risk of space is very high. And I think that does have an impact on people making a decision to use space resources and also maybe how it it, it intertwined with military uses. So in terms of uh, take up of satellite resources, I think it's just a matter of education, raising awareness and making sure we hit all age groups because I think space resources can benefit all types of age groups and all types of professions and backgrounds. The role that the space industry continues to make in in terms of making sure people are aware of it, making sure that there's enough media, I think people will have more um, ease and more comfort in using space resources. I mean, besides, let's think about it. The most underestimated space resource is GPS navigation. So everybody's using it and it's undeniable. So it is something that I think people will, will get used to over time and it wouldn't, it wouldn't even probably matter to them anyway. And you mentioned about uh, remote sensing as a potential area that you are looking to expand in. I guess my question was uh, targeted as what is it that you see as a capability that you want to build in remote sensing that helps uh, potential customers yeah, so we're working on um, several things at the moment. So object identification and classification for once. I think there's a lot of use cases around this particular, I would say, trivial use of space resources, insurance agencies and farmers and, and agriculture. So there's Brunei's 70% untouched rainforest, right? Tropical rainforest. And there's a lot of land for everyone so we're going to need to know how we can divvy up these lands to be able to do its part for the sustainability of the planet, the sustainability of the country. So it's not just not doing anything about it, but it's also putting things where it, it makes sense the most. And for you to gather this kind of data from space without having boots on the ground really helps a country, a small country like Brunei out, because not only we, there's not many of us, which is not a bad thing, really. So there's not many of us. And there's also a skills gap that we definitely have to fulfill. Leaning on to technology and leaning on to satellite remote sensing will be able to give us the eyes that we need in order for us to make the right decisions and monitor our resources and assets. I think it's going to help a lot of people on the industry. So that was the industry and, and I guess the commerce side of things too. But also there's the biodiversity part because Brunei is a part of Borneo and Borneo is known to be a forest, rainforest that will do wonders for the biodiversity of the world. But I think 
that's slowly depleting with, you know, deforestation taking an ultimate high globally this year. So we've got to have this realistic view of how our rainforest is actually doing and, and how it's affecting the ecosystem in general. So I think there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity there because it impacts climate change and things like that. So that's those are the things that we're currently working on. You know, simple stuff like road hazard detection. So that's pretty simple. And I think a lot of people can do that already. But the challenge is always to try to make this decision fast enough or the actual hazard to be resolved at a more final resolution and things like that. And to channel this information across to the relevant parties so that the flow process happens. So I think in terms of satellite remote sensing, trying to bring all these different use cases and applications up to the surface is the one thing that we have to do. And, and the use cases is many and vast. And we wouldn't be the first one using any of these use cases. I loved what I was learning during um, my time in UNETI, how they shared that all of Israel's satellite data has been made available to the public for you know everyone to use in order for them to plan their their fields, their, their plantations better, their where to fish and you know where to avoid and because there's weather as well. So I, I think that's great because that's how you build a, an aware community and, and a community where you're able to self-sustain because what you're doing is being measured uh, and you're making sure that your efforts are, are more efficient. I think that the tenant of every engineer's uh, modus operandi to improve on a certain process our function and problem solve yeah that's what i'm trying to do with satellite remote sensing here just before we get into the isro program itself i would love to know who do you think are customers who will end up being in this case is it that you are looking to then uh, help the government itself make some decisions based on the capability that you're trying to build or do you see other institutions that are banks or other such institutions to use this modernized society in one way or the other using satellite-based services? Or is it directly citizens themselves? It's going to be a subscription service. And I think there's going to be a multiple of different ways in order to run this. And of course, what we're looking to do right now is to assist in, in more of the governance side of things. So we're, it's, it's always ESG right now. It's always the buzzword and then trying to set your theme according to that. So right now, I think we're looking at the governance side of things. However, as I said, because we're working on climate change as well, looking at reef checks and things like that's the environmental side of things. And then we've done a couple of dashboards, for example, COVID SOP dashboards and things like that. That's on the social side of things. So I, I think we can hit all three notes. And I think it really depends how we can enter the market with the right sort of commercial arrangement. So I, I think that's where it is. So there's always an, an app kind of system that we're trying to follow, app development process workflow here. So yeah, we're just waiting for that time that we can drive the prices down by accessing a larger market rather than just Brunei because with the amount of people in Brunei, we also have to scale the proportion of market and the cost will just be too high. So this is something that we're balancing out. Which then brings me to why I'm speaking more at different kind of forums to basically say I'm, I'm looking for a partner that I can do this with that would be able to grow um, the market with me if you've got a payload idea and if you've got a downstream use case that you'd like to serve. Yeah, I, I think I, I'd like to invite you to a session that we can probably talk about doing this together as a partner. Yeah, I suppose I can elaborate more on that, but perhaps towards the end when we've done the Unati questions. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that. Getting on to ISRO and UNATI itself, 
what was your first uh, touch point when it comes to discovering this program and how did you you know get a sense that this is something for me and i should get into it good question the questions i i had in mind for you was how i needed a platform in, in order for me to ask questions about how do we launch a particular space program for a particular government <laughs> or or maybe a private entity how does one go about doing that and and i think there's a couple of different dimensions that's required but ending up in as a Carmen pioneer and meeting you i thought it was an a brilliant opportunity to find out how from your perspective how does doing doing what you're doing with sat search how does that actually is going to help somebody like me in order for me to okay i've got to find the right partner i've got to find the right subsystems i've got to find the right sort of launch partner and things like that so in the same year that we wanted to go into space industry in another angle i was extended an invitation from our ministry of transport and info communications that isro was running this training program and because it's satellite related then they just um um naturally forward it to us because isro and niat has also have we we've also had a commercial arrangement together so we support their mission here their uh, ttnc state uh, ttnc station here in brunei that's how we're familiar with isro as well so when the invitation came up and i said well, i got to learn how to do this anyway what better way than learning from somebody who's done it like literally by themselves so i myself put my name in and my colleague in there and a few months later i think it was 2 months later we got the response and and i i, I and niat was gracious enough to fund our, our trip and it was endorsed by our minister of transport and info communications and yeah it was a 9 week it was a 9 week course and it was truly instrumental in as to how i got here how i am here now and it just makes a lot of sense now the stuff that they taught us it was at super rapid speed because it was nine weeks of okay this is what you put into a satellite and how to launch it and how to keep it there and all the other stuff as well but we were able to at the end of it i was able to absorb 105 lectures worth of 50 60 years of knowledge in space industry and i don't think you can learn this from school there are some basic things that you learn course equals all that but but there's also sort of other things that they impart on us as well and i think that was really magical the second half of the training was a practical session actually building a 1u cube set so i thought that was pretty cool it literally was a sandwich of different subsystems and we literally put all those things together wired them up so it's like electrical integration mechanical integration and we did subsystems testing and that was really cool and we were able to command command it remotely through the the, the checkout systems the, the solar panels deploying and the camera taking a picture you know at a certain time so yeah I thought that was pretty good and yes it's been very it's been very instrumental to get to where I am today definitely That's uh, really great to hear so that is a very nice brief overview but I would love to have you you know go deeper into the story I guess a little bit where you, maybe you can talk about uh, how was the beginning of the program and as well as some of the other peers that you had in the program was it like a joint session where everybody was working on the same thing and there was just one flat set where everybody was testing or how did the whole thing go actually everything went 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 absolutely perfect i i think the course in itself was more about learning how to 
learning or, or understanding all the different parts that went into nanosatellite assembly, integration, and testing. Part of the, the course was focused on how to actually create a clean room. And, and, and these are the test equipments that you'll need in order for you to, able, to be able to have uh, an, an on-site AIT. And then you've got other types of testing that you obviously won't have. And, and that was what we were also able to witness, the mechanical testing and acoustic testing, thermal testing, all that. We, we were able to witness with our own eyes what those test testing machines, testing equipment looked like. And most of these things were proprietary made in Israel itself. So that was pretty awesome. What was the you know, overall learning experience when it comes to translatability to bringing back stuff to Brunei? Because uh, you're talking about having hands-on experience at ISRO's facilities and uh, ISRO's hardware, for example. Was there any you know, way in which you could say that I can bring on some of the knowledge back to Brunei? And are there any logical steps that you see where you can leverage that experience in one way or the other? Oh, yes, definitely. Right now, I'm currently putting together a, a partner sort of a portfolio here that this constellation that I have in mind is going to serve our national interest as well as commercial. However, I'm basically putting it there as a condition that we need to build this in Brunei and we need to use Brunei human resources in order for us to make this. Um, happen. I can definitely translate what I've learned over there in terms of, as I said, setting up the clean rooms and, and all that and the parts. And I've been in really close contact as well with the Indian High Commissioner here, as well as the Israel team, the TTNC team that, you know, um, part of the GTG arrangement between Brunei and India that TTNC station was serving under, as well as my training, the UNATI training is used under the MOU. We can definitely say we can build on to this, build this relationship even further. I'm talking about technology demonstrators. One of my um, cohort members actually put out a really good idea about coming up with an UNATI 2 space mission, satellite mission, that we all get together and get together and maybe create a satellite mission that will serve all of our combined purposes. And, and I thought of, yeah, maybe that's a really good idea. So that's something that I'm also trying to build on. But you know how COVID is striking the world. It's a really low blow and, and priorities and some budget changes have been moved around. That's why I think in order for me to fully utilize this vision that I have, Brunei's first nanosatellite mission, with which is like a hosted payload kind of setup, it's something that I, I need to make sure I do. And partner with whoever is in the same kind of pace as I am. So yeah, there's a lot I can bring back. And it's given me a lot of confidence in terms of this is a combined effort with a lot of countries in all stages of its development and life. So yeah, I'm always open to partnering with all types of different people for different purposes in, in the lifespan of this project, of this mission. That's really uh, excellent as such. So I guess for me, it's also interesting to hear from you if, um, if there is any aspects that ISRO can improve, for example, the program itself in one way or the other, 
that you recommend based on your experience? Yeah, let's launch that one new CubeSat because that's probably the only thing that we haven't done or maybe see its actual mechanical testing and thermodynamics, you know, everything, all, all the testings throughout through, through the end. I think that would be really awesome to do that and to see it launch. But yeah, I, I think that's a really good opportunity. Israel's got their own launch vehicle anyway. So it's just a matter of really looking, finishing what you started with the Unati group of people. And that would really make it something uh, quite phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, would be definitely something that would be a complete uh, full arc at that point yes. of time, because uh, you've not just designed something, I guess you've also then developed it, tested it, and then flown it, I guess that uh, makes it comprehensive. I hope that program matures to that kind of a level as well. But I guess having to do this already is uh, quite a big step uh, alongside all the missions that they do have. And I also really appreciate the fact that ISRO is putting out such a program for other countries to build their own capacity. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. So we're really happy to be working with India government on, on this and, and we're really happy to be doing this. But it, is, it doesn't stop us from working with everybody else. I, I think where we are right now is this is really a global effort. Resources are borderless now. Information is even more. So it's just a matter of trying to put this together and, and see what we come out with it and the right people to do it, to do this with. So... You know, last couple of questions, I know that you have to get going. Where do you see the program in Brunei and yourself uh, maturing in the next, let's say, three to five years based on the experience that you've had with all of this? So I really think it's possible um, for us to launch this mission, given that we have the right set of people manning the different things. I really think this is the time for Brunei to actually have a space. And this is the trend now anyways happening in, in all of the other smaller nations in the world. And thankfully, there's a lot of other nations who are, who are also lending a hand because they have a bit more experience in this area. They're lending a hand and they're making sure that the smaller countries, the, the um the developing countries have access to space some way, one way or another. So yeah, I think in terms of the trend, we're still all trying to understand our planet. So I think a lot of satellite remote sensing sensors will be developed and data analytics will also continue to evolve, I think quite rapidly as well. And, and cloud computing and cybersecurity is going to be topping information and data in this data sharing age. So I think in terms of trends, um, even though they're not all satellite or space, but I think it's all intertwined at the end of the day, thanks to digitalization. Yeah, I, I really think it's going to be those three three or four things I mentioned. That's going to be the trend in the next few years. And if people have to get in touch with you or you're looking for some kind of partners, what would that be? And how could people then get in touch with you in case you're looking for one partner or the other kind? Okay. For anything Unati related, I actually produced a 20, 20 something minute video and as to what we learned and everybody's different perspective. I was able to get 20, maybe about 70% of the my cohort to participate in my video. So you're welcome to catch that on YouTube. The link's on my LinkedIn profile. So anything related to Unati, you can, you can ask me there. 
And, and I do point out my area that I'd like to see in Brunei particularly is getting the future generation to use these particular technologies. And But for other things, like, okay, so if you're interested to partner with me here to explore, maybe not partner, but just try to explore to see how we can be part of this consortium. If it's so openly understood in the submarine cable industry, I think constellations should be taking on the same kind of models as well, because we're talking about a, a shared asset that's in space that everybody should should at least be considerable of. You can directly, directly go to my LinkedIn page at Aza, uh, Aziz, which is double A-double-Z-A-H, Aziz, A-Z-I-Z. And there you go. It's very easy to find or as as is Brunei, <laughs> whichever way. But yeah, I'd really like to speak more to everybody who's on your audience, who's interested to see whether we can develop a space mission together. Thank you very much, Aza, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I do you know, want to put you in touch with a few people and we'll also figure out a way to work with you, you know, with Satsurge as well. And look forward to supporting uh, you as well as learning from you based on your experiences in putting together these things in just as a you know note i guess i'll also add in uh, the 20 minute episode that you mentioned about i think it will be interesting for the listeners to also hear that uh, as well so i'll, I'll add this to the episode so that people can listen into that as well